1: And welcome to this very special In Conversation episode of Shameless. Today, we're doing something we've never done on Shameless before. It's a bit of a podcast crossover with the iconic UK show so many of you know and love that is Sentimental Garbage. Sentimental Garbage is hosted by best-selling author Caroline O'Donoghue. If that name sounds quite familiar to you, that might be because Caroline is the magnificent mind behind The Rachel Incident, our August pick for The Shameless Book Club. In this episode, Mission Caroline and producer Annabelle turn their attention to something you've all been demanding from us a deep dive into Taylor Swift and Carly Kloss and what the hell happened to their friendship. You guys know that commentary around Taylor and Carly has run rampant for years, so while they don't get too deeply in the weeds of every single internet hole, because they'd be here forever, consider this episode a wide ranging pop culture exploration. What is the commentary about Taylor and Kali? What are the three main theories and why can't people stop talking about them? And namely, what does their friendship maybe say about us? Let's get into it.
0: Caroline O'Donoghue. we're oh, oh, starting. We're starting. <laughs> okay, okay. Welcome to Shameless. Hello, what a huge honor. Oh, it's an honor to have you. I am so excited about this. I think listeners of the show will already be very familiar with your name because we just did your book for the Shameless Book Club. Yes,
2: thank you so much for that. It was so wonderful. Thank I, you for
0: writing it. <laughs> I loved The nice. Rachel Incident.
2: Oh man, that's nice. That's so. That's just. It's so funny. When I, it, that thing when I would listen to your podcast of like, you're used to when your book gets brought up on a podcast at all. It's like you know five minutes of someone being like, "Yeah, it's a good summer read. <laughs> Why not put it? In, pop it in the beach bag." And so to have like three incredibly clever women just really dissected. And even to the point where when you were like critical about it, I was like, fair enough. (laughs) (laughs) So you listened to the episode?
1: Yeah, of course That freaks me out. (laughs) I was melting over there. We all gave a very strong review. So it's probably good
0: that you listened to it. Your book, and I can't remember if I said it in the episode or if I've just said it to the people in my life and around the shameless media office. The Rachel Incident has my favorite scene of any book I've ever read, I think, in my life. I know this, sorry to the people who haven't read the book, this will be so irrelevant to you, but just come (laughs) along for the ride. The dinner party scene, I won't give any spoilers, but the dinner party scene felt like every loose thread or every question mark that came before it was neatly stitched together and solved. And I just had this experience of reading that scene being like, wow, wow, everything makes sense. I am surprised. I am shocked. I am in awe. It was just like a masterpiece. That oh, one chapter.
2: Thank you. thank you so much. Did you,
0: when you were writing it, were you like, I'm killing this? <laughs>
2: I mean, like, uh, yes. <laughs> 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 because I do think, like, when you're writing a novel, and it's such a, it's such a lonely, you know, long process or whatever, mm. this whole thing, and whenever you get, like, productivity chat about, like, flow state and, oh, like, yeah. how you access it, and it's so mythical, and, like, you can turn up to your work, you know, 50 days in a row, and the 51st, suddenly you're, it's, like, that equivalent of, like, drumming and not looking at your hands kind of thing. It's like, oh, I'm just in it, mm. and that was the a real time during writing that novel where i was like, oh, I'm just in it. I can just feel it. And the moment, and again, this will be very alienating for people who haven't read the book, the moment where Dr. Byrne drags out the office chair, I was like, I felt like that guy in Whiplash, just like, (laughs) sweat beads dripping. (laughs) I think we highlighted that in the episode.
0: It was the chair thing. Mm -hmm. Rachel not having a chair at the table and it dawning on her that something was seriously awry. I just like props to you. I hope you. one day in my career, I don't think it's happened for me yet, but one day in my career, I want to have a moment where I'm like that thing I did, even if it's like a small part of a bigger whole, yeah. that thing I did was perfect because I actually think <laughs> that chapter is perfect. How are you feeling about the book now that it's out in the world?
1: Really,
2: really fabulously. It's strange because, um, do you know, it's my sixth book, so I wrote two other books for adults and three. Three books for teenagers. I think for many writers of, of all kinds, you know, there's a huge. Wait between when you discover your love of writing and then when you have your first book published and for most people that's about 30 years mm. kind of thing or, or there thereabouts. What you don't realise is that there's a huge gap between being published and being read. By that I mean being read widely. Being mm. read in like when numerous people in numerous countries having numerous discussions that you'll never get to join but are live and going on without you and this is the first time that's happened on a big scale for me and like that is just it's really magical and I'm really glad it took six books to get there because I think it would be too much of a head fuck otherwise. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. It um, feels like
0: you maybe were ready
2: for that. Yeah, yeah. It feels like a lovely graduation kind of thing. And it's like, what's nice is whenever, you know when anything good happens to you as a woman, <laughs> <laughs> your, your first sort of reaction is to kill it for yourself, to kill your own joy. It's like, how can I find a way to hurt myself? <laughs> 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 and um, what's good about finding a wide readership on your sixth book is like you can't hurt yourself with it because nobody can tell you you didn't work for it you oh. know and you know that yourself you yeah. know and it's it's really lovely actually
0: well congratulations so i'm much. so excited for you we <laughs> both are we're so happy for you and it was a pure joy to read so if you haven't read the Rachel Incident listeners Go get it, because, and then go listen to the Shameless Book Club episode on it. I'll plug yeah. us at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> Double plug, why not? Well, we love your podcast. On Sentimental Garbage, you do talk a lot about pop culture. Mm-hmm. Occasionally you talk about celebrity. You have mentioned Taylor Swift a few times. Yes, yes. I've listened to your series on Midnights. <laughs> yeah. I have listened to a couple of episodes where she's just popped up. Yeah, yeah. And we're going to talk a bit about Taylor Swift and Carly Kloss today.
2: Yes, very excited.
0: How do we... First of all, Annabelle, you're Mm. obviously with us here today. Hello, greetings. Greetings. What is your Taylor Swift fandom out of 10? Like, where are you sitting? Interesting question. I think if you asked me when I was younger, I would
3: have said like 10, 11. Mm. But now as an adult, maybe it's just being exposed to more of like her personal life or something. Mm. Maybe taking me out of the... Taylor
0: as a musician, kind of thing. Mm. I'm, I'd say a seven, a seven. Yeah, mm. great. Mm. I, I think seven's always illegal to say because I think it's it's, it's a too six or safe. Eight. Are you? If you it's, had to go six or eight, are you six or eight? I'm a six. <laughs> I'm a six. Okay, okay. Yeah. yeah. That's all right. We're all, like, we can be feelings-based here. Mm-hmm. I've got mm-hmm. the facts, so you guys can bring the feelings. Caroline, out of ten.
2: I would say it, it is more an eight, but I would mm. say my, my journey with it has been the flip of yours, mm. in that when she first became famous... I was primarily a Kanye West fan, so if oh me- my god, oh, I know, I know, and I, 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 still find I mean Kanye. Obviously, would hesitate to call myself a fan now. Yeah. Obviously, that music will always mean an awful lot to me. Yeah, um, I think that it was so fascinating that era of him, where he was so wrong, and like so, and he he was wrong to do that to Taylor Swift. He's, he did he did so many just public awkward horrible clangers mm. but he was it was always true yeah. beyonce did have the best vision. Yeah. <laughs> that's why nobody talks about it like was it awkward? Was it mean? Was it bad-spirited? Yes. Was it correct? Oh, yes. So like, <laughs> the message was sound. The execution, not yes. sound. Mm. And, then, and then there was also the thing I remember uh, during Hurricane Katrina when he went on TV with Mike Myers and he just mm. blurted out, George Bush doesn't care about black people. Yeah. And also, was the delivery weird? Yes. Was the message correct? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I find that fascinating. And she was an interesting footnote for me on that. And I, I, didn't, I didn't vibe with the music very much. So and- Country Taylor was not your... Not really, thing. not really, no. And I was um, very into sort of like folky music at the time mm. and I, I, I saw it as being a bit basic, I guess. And I think I was also in a phase of my life that sentimental garbage is trying very hard to correct, which is just automatic snobbery. Yes. As a defense mechanism to feel anything or be vulnerable kind mm. of thing, which I think is a very common thing in your early 20s. But then 1989 came out and I was very much the fairweather Swifty who was like, oh, this is more... My thing. I was also like, I was falling in love at the time as well, and that became like the soundtrack of that summer where we were falling in love and like Aww. getting really pissed and singing it together. And it became really treasured to me. And then I've just been on board ever since. And I've have talked about this a lot on sentimental garbage episodes about her. Taylor Swift knows just as much about men as we do.
0: I loved it when you guys said that. Like, and she's figuring it out. She's figuring as it we're out. We're figuring as, it, as, yeah, it out. Totally. Yeah.
2: I was in, a, I mean I'm married now but I was in a relationship for a long time where I was like why the hell aren't you proposing? You yeah. know? And so was she. Yeah. <laughs> and that was nice. It's like, and now I've gotten to the point now where I like I listen to her probably once a week at the very least. I've been to not one but three Taylor Swift themed discos. Yeah, you know, nice. And uh I'm going to go to the Euros tour. Like it's going to be Yeah, I love her now. Yeah.
0: Know? Yeah, I think I am probably a step above you, Caroline. huh I fell in love with her in the Red era, Mm -hmm. and I think I've been to every concert since then. I am just a Swifty. And I know she's problematic sometimes, but I just turned a blind eye to it because I let her be. (laughs) I
3: don't think she is,
0: though. (laughs) She, uh, I think when you deep dive her back in the 2016 period a little bit, she can just... I think Taylor back in the day, I mean, we're going off on a bit of a tangent, but Mm. she could, I think, weaponize situations against other women unnecessarily. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes she didn't carry herself in the best way, but then also I don't carry myself in the best way all the time either. And then there are just little things like last year her private jet was the most used amongst (laughs) any celebrity. That's the kind of stuff I just turned a blind eye to. I'm like, yes, I care about climate change, but Taylor can do what Taylor wants. (laughs) (laughs) Let her jump on her PJ like it's all good. (laughs) 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 PJ. So (laughs) today I want to talk to you both because our audience and I think Taylor Fans at large are uh. obsessed with her friendship and then falling out with Carly Kloss, right? This has become such a moment on TikTok. I think because Taylor has just announced that she's re releasing 1989 in October. Mm. We're all going back mentally to where Taylor was when 1989 came out. And this was when she was living in New York, when she was best friends with Carly Kloss. Mm -hmm. And I don't think this is a coincidence. I actually think this is a bit of a Taylor Swift plant for us to be talking about this now and be invested in this now because she actually had Carly come to the very final Eras Tour concert in Los Angeles. Ah. She had Carly in a visible part of the audience where everyone was, she wasn't in the VIP family and friends section where she was kind of hidden away. She was in the stands. Everyone was vlogging. Everyone was taking photos. And then, of course, at that concert, it was revealed that 1989 was coming back out. So I think this has all been very meticulous and I actually think Team Taylor want us to be looking at this friendship and talking about this friendship and I actually think they're about to have a little rekindling well, as this is friends. Well, interesting,
2: isn't it? Because there's always this debate within the Taylor Swift fandom over what is intentional and what is simply a person mm. living their life kind of thing because mm. it's very easy to get conspiracy theorists with a, with an artist who has been frank about the fact that they do put both autobiographical details and you know, teasers Easter eggs Easter eggs exactly for their new material but then also it encourages their, her audience to just never stop Yes It's just panning for gold and like I think now she's reached this point where she's like can you just like the songs yeah. <laughs> <laughs> being songs like I tried very hard on the songs can you not like yeah. them you know Well I
0: want you guys to give me your thoughts I'm going to run you through some conspiracy theories today mm. we're not here to say yes or no to any of them I think I kind of want to analyze where this stuff comes from, where this fandom comes from, why people are so obsessed when it comes to Mm -hmm. this friendship, because I've got some thoughts and feelings about it myself. Can I give you a rundown of the friendship timeline? Yeah. What do you guys know about Taylor and Carly. Do you know when they became friends? Mm. I know the stuff that you guys have spoken about on the pod, but honestly
3: <laughs> my brain is like a sieve and it's all, <laughs> nothing's coming back to me at this point. So not much, actually.
2: Yeah. Caroline? I was not aware of who Carly Class was. I don't really know very, I don't much, know much about fashion. <laughs> um, I remember becoming aware of her During that 1989 tour that seemed to go on forever where like it was all about Taylor and her army of best friends. Yes. And Carly was a name that just came up a lot when you were reading coverage of that I wasn't aware that they had broken up. But like as best friends. Yeah. 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 Well, are they still friends or are they just not best friends? Like, what's the deal?
0: I don't think they're friends anymore. I'll run you through it. So they met in 2012. They met on Twitter. By 2014, they were besties. There were, like, lots of road trips together. There was a room at Taylor's New York City apartment that was essentially Carly's Mm -hmm. room. They had a joint cover of Vogue in Feb 2015, so they really pushed this publicly. This Mm -hmm. was not some, like, we're private best friends, can you let us be? They appeared on the cover of Vogue as, like, best friends, bordering on sisters Mm. and they did this whole spread where they looked absolutely gorgeous together. They spoke about their relationship and essentially, without saying it, they gave the impression that they considered each other like soulmates. Like, you know, when you Mm -hmm. find your person in a female best friend, Mm -hmm. this was very much the vibe. By 2017, though, Carly was starting to be frozen out. So she wasn't being invited to Taylor's parties anymore. Taylor was refusing or declined to go on her TV show. Taylor oh, also p-
2: Class had a TV show.
0: She did. She had a TV show back in the day. Interesting choice by her manager at the time, Scooter Braun. About what? Which we're also going to talk about. Was it fashion-based? I think it was actually about cooking and lifestyle oh. stuff because she had the cookies we remember She that? had the
2: cookies? She's trying to do sort of a Chrissy Teigen pivot. I, th-
0: I actually think that is so bang on from you. I think yeah. that's exactly what was being attempted and it uh-huh. didn't quite come off. Also remember that Taylor was really public about her friends and she would do things like appear in music videos where all of her best friends were named on her T-shirt, for example, mm. and people noticed that Carly was no longer being listed God, as a member so of that weird. squad.
2: That's, I mean, I love Taylor, but she does fucking weird she things. She does. The See, this, is, <laughs> this thing. is what I mean. And this yeah. is the thing
0: about Taylor.
2: It's very Regina George behavioural. Like, <laughs> it is, and yeah. it's
0: really tricky with stuff like that. I think that's where I feel this division within myself mm. to be like, I just think some of it's a little juvenile. I don't think yeah. she does this stuff anymore but back in the girl squad days it could be quite juvenile and like yeah. they would make videos about katie perry where she had the squad kind of yeah. you know yeah anyway so 2018 is where stuff really hits the fan so carly is being seen out and about with Katy Perry, Taylor Swift's then sworn mm. nemesis, like mm. the person we knew was kind of her enemy. Pointed. Carly then posted that photo on Instagram. Do We remember the caption, Swish, Swish, and people thought this was a link to Katy Perry's yeah. diss track about Taylor. Well, swish, yeah. Swish, oh. Bitch, or Bish in the song. So bish, people started noticing bish. that.
2: Let's face it, it has not had the longevity of bad blood. No, <laughs> it really wasn't as good. Yeah.
0: Then Jennifer Lawrence, after that, when Carly and Katy Perry were being seen together, Jennifer Lawrence famously said, I'd like to know what's going on with Carly Kloss and Taylor Swift. That's the God (laughs) to honest truth. Is nobody else curious? It's keeping me up at night. What happened? (laughs) So we had that. Then in August 2018, they posted a selfie on Instagram. So the fandom was like, we're back on. But Mm. then Carly got married in October 2018 and Taylor was not there. But then people went, no worries. The Joshua Kushner, Carly Kloss first wedding was not for the public. It wasn't for like yeah. family. It wasn't for friends. It was for family. Mm-hmm. Right. They had a second ceremony, June 2019. Big celebrity event. Because we had Katy Perry, Orlando Bloom and Scooter Braun in attendance. Oh. We did not have Taylor Swift. Mm. So that's when everyone's like, okay, this is when stuff is really not good. Then, of course, Taylor calls out Scooter Braun and Scott Borchetta for buying her masters in, like, bad faith, I guess. Mm -hmm. She accused Scooter Braun of, and I quote, incessant manipulative bullying that she had received for years. So... We know for a fact the death of the relationship between Carly Kloss and Taylor Swift happened at some point because after Scooter bought Taylor's Masters, Carly went on a week-long vacation with him and it was posted all over social media. She was on his boat with like a group of friends. So Carly very much ended up being on Team Scooter Broad. Now, there are so many Taylor Swift songs that perhaps reference her relationship with Carly Kloss mm-hmm. over the years. I think because her lyrics are so dense with storytelling. Listeners really try and interpret the meaning. They Mm. really go down these rabbit holes. And as I said, our fascination about Taylor Swift and her relationships, particularly this friendship with Carly Kloss, says a lot about us, I think, Mm. more than anything. Mm -hmm. So can I get you onto the theories about maybe what happened to you? Absolutely. Theory one, Brand Taylor could not deal with the Kushner politics. Mm -hmm. So my synopsis of this theory that I've written out is around the time of Taylor and Kylie falling out, the Taylor Swift brand was being damaged by one thing, her lack of political voice and action. Kylie's links to Donald Trump were too messy and complicated to explain in the public eye. So team Taylor or brand Taylor did what any ruthless but meticulous PR person would do. Mm -hmm. They severed the relationship publicly, which affected it in private. Mm -hmm. How do we feel about that?
3: I get it, (laughs) but the recent relationship with Maddie Healy, Taylor's recent relationship Mm. with Maddie Healy, made me think maybe she doesn't care too much about her brand in that sort of way, like by association. Mm -hmm.
2: I think her not caring about her brand that way is a fairly new development, Mm. though. I think she's... Recently, come to this thing of like, do you know what? Whatever I do, you guys are gonna have a go at me, so I might as well kiss this hot boy. <laughs> True. 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 I agree. I think that's a recent development, mm. and I'm and I'm pleased for her that she's she's got there. But I think definitely of that era, there was a lot of like. What felt like very anxious managing, you know? It felt like an anxious time. Like, I remember when the Kim Kardashian West stuff happened, immediately we had the Tom Hiddleston yes. sitting on the rock relationship. Like, they were recreating Splash. You, t- you
0: try to tell me you don't know about celebrity gossip, but you're, you're like an encyclopedia. I think sometimes the Taylor Swift lore. I agree with you, Caroline. I think what Taylor Swift does is she tries to mirror what's going on societally, right? When we're looking at the era when her and Carly sort of fell out, that was an era, it was just pre-COVID and then obviously COVID as well, where I feel like the mood in the Mm. room was that you had to be political. You had to take a stand. You had to have a voice and anyone who didn't do that really copped it and Taylor Swift really copped it around this time for not having a voice and mm. then the pe- like she went the complete other way. Mm. She had that lawsuit where she sued the guy for groping her mm-hmm. for a symbolic $1. She really rallied against the Republican candidate Marsha Blackburn mm. in the Tennessee mm-hmm. area. It was like the midterm elections. She came out and said, I'm voting Democrat. I think she only does that because the public demands it of her. Whereas now, if we're looking about the, at the way that she behaves in 2023 with Maddie Healy and that relationship, I think we've actually had a pendulum swing post-pandemic. We want everything to be a little less political now. Mm. I think after the pandemic... The public doesn't demand social justice issues to be at the forefront anymore. We're actually demanding joy, happiness, juiciness, gossipy stuff. Mm. That's definitely what I've seen from our audience, for sure. People want joy again, and I think Maddie Healy was giving chaos and just something to talk about, which is what her fans want of her right now.
2: Yeah, what makes her so powerful is how she goes through these stages with us kind of thing, whether it's like her turning 30 or her having her first big, huge relationship breakup or whatever. I think part of that is like her relationship with the public has been a macro version of how we've all dealt with it. Mm -hmm. I don't just mean like people with modest podcast followings, but like (laughs) people who have an Instagram account with 312 followers kind of thing. There's been this, over the last decade, there has been this constantly shifting point of view on how much we owe everyone. I mean there was a phase a couple of years ago where like if a artist was revealed to be problematic in any way you would then rush on Twitter to denounce I will never listen to Ryan Adams Gold ever again yeah. kind of thing because of what he did to Mandy Moore and there was like a you had to purge yourself in the streets and now even in that short amount of time like I find Kanye West a deeply problematic character now mm. Can I? that music will always mean a lot to me I can hold both those truths in my head and we've all kind of grown together Yeah, but we've watched her go on that journey muddle too muddle it like yeah muddle, muddle her right way through it how yes. much do I owe anyone vis-a-vis my personal opinions, tastes and politics? You know? Yeah. And I do sympathise with her and this obviously came up a lot in the Miss Americana documentary of coming from a country world, seeing what happened to the Dixie Chicks, that being this like really scary, almost grim's fairy tale for any woman working in country music of like what can happen to you mm. if you put your head above the parapet politically speaking. I don't blame her for being frightened. I also, I can understand how someone like Taylor Swift, who has been very famous from a very young age, who has, like, talked a lot, and I think probably quite earnestly and truthfully, about, like, being a sort of overambitious, if beautiful, gawky kid, and how annoying that must have been to be, to be in school with, how much she must have been bullied, how alone mm. she must have felt, like... If you've got a person in your class and you're 14 and she's like spending all the summer touring <laughs> and she's got waist length blonde She's
0: performing hair. in shopping centres and <laughs> yeah. people love
2: it. <laughs> yeah. And it's kind of this kind of awkward, earnest sort of music. Yeah, of course you'd be like, oh, for fuck's sake, kind mm-hmm. of thing. I, do, I, I can see how she would experience this sort of like in her mid 20s, this sort of teenage flush of like girls are nice actually and then it, all getting very deep very intense very like matching pajamas mm. and then sort of not knowing how to handle it bit, yes yes
0: a hundred a hundred percent I think what I find really interesting when it comes to Taylor Carly and the Kushners is that when Taylor and Carly first became friends the Kushners were openly Democrat voters right Mm -hmm. so as I said in that top line kind of timeline area of the episode Taylor and Carly really started to drift apart in 2018-2019 and that actually coincides with when the Kushners became Republicans Mm -hmm. and they started to get involved in some quite messy stuff do Mm. you know much about them?
2: Not a ton, no. I found some
0: interesting shit. So, (laughs) Carly and Joshua Kushner. Joshua Kushner is like the younger brother. Jared Kushner is the name that I think more people would Mm -hmm. recognize. He's married to Ivanka Trump. But Carly and Joshua met in 2012, became engaged in 2018. They got married three months later. Then they have two children. The Kushner family is mega, mega, mega wealthy, which I knew but I didn't really understand how. So, the year Joshua was born was 1985. That was the year his father, Charles, and his grandfather, Joseph, went into real estate business together. Mm. They were already really wealthy. The grandfather had already had, like, all these entrepreneurial pursuits that had Mm. really worked for them. And when they opened the business, they already owned 4,000 apartments in New Jersey alone. So Mm. already mega wealthy. But they then grew this real estate business together to be worth $2 billion. So become billionaires while Joshua and Jared are growing up. Joshua and his brother Jared both went to Harvard, their admission to the school has always raised a few eyebrows, Jared's in particular. He was famously a poor student in high mm. school, he got below average test scores. And yet after his daddy, Charles, met with the president of Harvard in 1998 and then subsequently made a $2.5 million donation Oof. to the university or to oh, the college, good. he was admitted to the Harvard freshman class of 1999. But he did a really good essay, though. Such yeah. a That's good what essay. What he, he slayed that interview. <laughs> he was so good. I also, did you know the criminal history of the Kushners? Oof. Yeah, Did no. you know that Daddy Kushner Charles went to prison in 2004 for dodgy political donations? But it was political wow. donations to the Democrats. He also went to prison for tax evasion and witness tampering. He was sentenced to two years. He ended up serving 14 months. So like an interesting family for Kylie Kloss to marry into. But then again, she said openly that Joshua is a really good guy and you can't choose who you love and all that kind of stuff. But... Increasingly, they have become controversial. Obviously, when Donald Trump started, you know, mm. his presidential run, people really took a magnifying glass—not just to Kylie Kloss, but funnily enough, to Taylor Swift. Mm. ABC News over in the U.S. published this article in 2016. Let's count the degrees of separation from GOP frontrunner Donald Trump to Taylor Swift. This is how many steps it takes to link the presidential contender to the pop star. Mm. So as Taylor started copying this a little bit, Taylor already was having people question yeah. her link to Carly Kloss in 2016. Donald Trump then gets elected and it gets messier because what happens is Carly's husband, Joshua, despite telling the world, he's, he's still saying I'm a Democrat just because my brother's father-in-law is the mm. president and he's a Republican, my political views have not changed. Mm-hmm. But in 2017, he made a trip to the Middle East at the same time as Donald Trump's uh-huh. government did, and it was investigated by the New York Times in a piece a couple of years later, which was 2019. So lots mm. of people were looking at Joshua yeah. Kushner and Kylie Kloss and saying, what, what is this link to the government? Like, what is going on here? Mm. And then saying, Taylor Swift, what is in your best friend's backyard? What do we make of that? Well, now that you, this is this is going to be me throughout this whole episode. <laughs> yeah. Now that you've laid it out like that, I'm like, that's it. But I know when you go into the next year, I'm going to be like, no, it's that. That sounds because this was happening. Bad. 2019 was when people started saying Taylor speak up. Mm-hmm. Like we had articles. I think this headline. This was actually a year before. But if Taylor Swift wants to address her bad reputation, she needs to start by condemning Donald Trump. Mm. So she's finding herself in this situation that was published in 2018 by Junkie a publication back home in Australia. She's finding herself in this situation where people are connecting her to Donald Trump. They're saying you haven't yeah. said anything which tells us you're voting Republican, you support
2: Trump. We all don't say things about many things <laughs> all the time. <laughs> I can understand where, she, where she'd she be like, why? <laughs> why why do I have to say anything? But also I'd like to, I think with um, stories like this, we often, we start at the public and we make our way back to the private mm-hmm. where we're like, okay, well, she's done this publicly. Let's like follow the threads back to the Kushners. But it's kind of an interesting thought experiment if you start at the personal and then make your way out. So like, think about it in the context of a normal human friendship, which is that like, you meet some chick when you're <laughs> 21 or whatever, however old they were. You form this like deep, beautiful bond through sort of like going out in New York, being gorgeous together, mm. um, almost
0: looking like twins. They so similar yeah. as, Same as well. So they look like sisters, which yeah. I understand why they pushed that sister thing. Totally. Yeah,
2: and like, and you know, Taylor doesn't have a sister, and like, mm. and th- I can see how there would be this like deep, all-encompassing friendship where it's like staying up out all night and then watching Nora Ephron movies in the morning. Mm. And Thinking you're the only two white women alive who love Nora. Everyone, you know? <laughs> I also loved Heartburn. <laughs> you, you can you can see it and then and then you grow with someone and you're like you go on your first road trip together and you're like, This woman will be there on the day I die. Mm-hmm. Like when our husbands die. It would be me and her It's Grace and Frankie. Oh, exactly. Yeah. It's Grace and Frankie. <laughs> And then you get further along in your 20s and you meet the people who are either your long term partners or your husband's in in Cardi Class's case. And uh, your friend starts to change a bit because she's like, her husband's vibe is kind of weird and now she's kind of weird too. That happens all the time in normal friendships Especially not
0: loving your friend's partner. I feel like that's such a universal experience or maybe just like the dynamic changing as well. Yeah especially if then publicly i mean The Kushners are such a powerful family. Carly would be a little hamstrung with what she can.
2: And I don't think Taylor would necessarily have a problem with powerful, wealthy families. I think she's like, oh, cool, another enormously wealthy person in my life (laughs) who gives a head fuck, you know. I think it's more like, I'm very imaginative with you. Take us with you, I'm with you. Okay, all right. I can imagine, all right, okay. So it's like, (laughs) I can imagine it's like, okay, Taylor being like, wow, have you seen all this stuff about such and such a news story? And Carly texting back being like, Typing for a long time. Like, yeah, but I think it's kind of overblown. Then, <laughs> and being like, I don't think it is overblown. They're being like, mm, yeah. <laughs> And then, like, a couple of things like that. Yeah. And then a couple of dinner parties and, like, maybe Taylor being hit up in a weird way by a rando Kushner about, like, we'd love to see you at our thing. <laughs> and her being like, can you not with your with your husband's family? And Carly being like, they just like you. <laughs> Who? It's not their fault. They want to see more of you. Kind of thing. And you need to being, turn this into a book. <laughs> Is this fan fiction? Now? <laughs> All of my Taylor Swift sort of theories are pure fan fiction. And Taylor being like... Like Carly's kind of spooking me out a bit at yeah. the moment I think a little bit of distance and then Carly being like um, couldn't help but notice you've like, been distant you've been distant you yep, haven't posted being me on like, Instagram
0: in a long time right mm. mm.
2: and like I also think that there's this thing that happens when like two public women become friends I'm mostly talking about this from the experience of like when me and Dolly did the Sex and the City stuff together which of course is the exact same, it's kind of <laughs> the exact same I <laughs> but I remember feeling this rush of like every time I posted a picture with her people just Being like happy. They're invested. Mm -hmm. They're invested. They're 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 like, I'm so glad you guys are having spaghetti. And it's like, I did something for the world today.
0: (laughs) It's also like, I find this with Zara. I find it with Annabelle as well. It's not just, I'm so glad you guys are eating spaghetti. It's, I'm so glad you're still eating spaghetti. You're still friends. Yeah. We attach a lot of emotional baggage Uh to other female friendships that they continue. And if we feel like they've ended, we feel like there's an investment there. Mm. Like we're all talking about this now. This is not just us. Like so many people care so much about this. But I, I feel that as well, like the parasocial relationship that people might have with myself and Zara, mm, that yeah. we, we sometimes get questions to be like, are they really friends?
3: People on people the street, asked- they ask me, so do they actually hate each
0: other? <laughs> and time. I say,
3: yeah.
2: Because yeah. <laughs> yeah. we do. Feel <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's so,
0: isn't it interesting?
2: Yeah, it is fascinating. And I think it's like, a part of it is just like being hungry to know more about the people that you hear mm. a lot from, you know, mm. and like from our point of view like podcasting is an incredibly intimate medium where it's like you're walking around you're you're with somebody all day mm. like sometimes you know if i'm doing it having a chore a day i'll put on seven episodes of you're wrong about and like <laughs> feel so intimately connected and mm. a need to know more <laughs> about mm. about the hosts I, I understand that very human instinct but i also understand that like if we think about us all being kind of the same age, millennial women, lots of us are getting married, lots of us are having children, lots of us are getting more serious in our careers. The time that used to be so sacred and so plentiful for friendship in our 20s is getting smaller and smaller. Mm. Meaning you have to choose, literally, who you hang out with on Friday kind of Mm, thing because that's your only night you have all week. You can't go out on a Tuesday anymore. You you gotta get up early. We're all seeing our friendship groups shrink maybe. And I think the fascination... Is magnified through that, maybe. Yeah,
0: that's so true. I think that actually takes me neatly to our next conspiracy theory. Obviously, we know, Annabelle, that mm-hmm. Caroline has spoken about this on her show, switches so mm-hmm. across it, but we've also spoken about it on Shameless. What is your gut feeling or just your reaction, I guess, to the fan investment that Taylor and Carly were in love? I won't lie to you. I've definitely had moments where I've thought perhaps that was what
3: happened. Mm-hmm. I don't know necessarily why, my instinct had been that there was something romantic going on. Mm. I think it's like fans when they see two famous people together mm. spending so much time together. Mm. Perhaps it's only natural to assume, but then again there's an icky side to it. Well,
0: it's it's got to be sensitive, right? Pushing this conversation about someone's sexuality.
2: You're seeing a lot of it around, like, that, that one of the... I didn't watch it, but one of the kids in Heartbreaker was uh, yes. trolled yes. for Yes, Kit O'Connor, a,
3: yeah. Yeah, playing yeah. a gay
2: character, and then it, it forced him to come out. Yes, or something.
0: It, yeah. And it's like th- taking power out of someone's hands in some ways, yeah.
2: T- yeah, completely, and I, I think that we're obsessed with that kind of transparency, and it's also... I find it sort of insulting from a point of view of assuming that two women can't be sort of very much platonically in love and obsessed with mm. one another, that there has to be something going on kind mm. of thing. And I've seen so many conspiracy theories that, like, the Gaylor thing and, like, mm. how she's had multiple relationships with multiple women. And Diana Agron. Diana is that? Agron yeah, yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, and that she's always been gay. And Jo Alwyn has always been a beard. Yes, like, yes. that's I, I find that... Um, that must feel really weird like I know I know like probably Taylor has to go through an an awful lot of emotional sort of like compartmentalization just to simply get up in the morning Mm. but I imagine like if you were being constantly told that you were lying about who you love and you're covering it up and it just it feels very icky to me and it feels like a a level of wish fulfilment that feels like it should just live in fan fiction like
0: yes I have spoken to a few gay women in my life who have some conflicting thoughts about this as everyone does I don't want to paint any group of people with one brush. to say everyone feels this way and everyone else feels this way. One woman in my life thinks it is frustrating to only observe Carly and Taylor through a heterosexual lens. And she feels like it's actually very limiting to do that. Mm -hmm. And that when we do that, we can't really open up conversations about people falling in love with other people and that mm. she just finds it to be an interesting discussion point. But she agrees that it is a slippery slope. Yeah, I have another woman in my life who raised an incredibly interesting viewpoint who said she thinks the public's obsession with this, and I've got to say I have I've had moments where I've gone deep into this and been mm. fascinated by it and then had to step away and be like, why am I fascinated? Mm. Like what's going on inside me here that has led to me being so interested and so invested in this her viewpoint is that some female friendships are so affectionate and so almost spiritual, like the connection you have when you find a best friend and you love them so much, It's almost it feels limiting to discuss that in mm. terms of platonic love Yeah, mm. and that she feels like a lot of us, this friend of mine, feels like a lot of us have had those intense, intense female friendships where it just is unlike anything else in their life. Mm. There is no reference point for mm-hmm. it. And they see that in Carly and Taylor and that maybe these fans have also had fallings out or drifted away or had these friendship breakups with the Carly Kloss in their life and they've never actually resolved it because yeah. we don't resolve friendship breakups in the way we tend to resolve mm. romantic relationships. Yeah. And I find that to be such a fascinating theory because that's the only thing that kind of clicks in my head to explain why I've kind of watched these TikTok videos, Mm. read these lyric analyses.
2: Yeah, a friendship breakup, it's not very explored or discussed in art or in media. Mm. I think what's so painful about it is that you can have as, you know, for most people who are living within like a fairly classic nuclear romantic structure – they have one partner and if, if you're a partner it's, if it's not working out for you guys fair fucks do you know what I mean You yeah, like, yeah. gave it a go and see you never kind of thing but you can have as many friends as you want mm-hmm. and so when you've chosen to very purposely not have somebody in your life or they've chosen not to have them in yours it, it hurts and stings and bruises the ego in a way that is I think much more lasting and permanent than a romantic breakup for me anyway like I, I think about friendship breakups far more than I ever do about romantic ones
0: same I have mm-hmm. one friend who I was like intensely in love with as my mm-hmm female friend and we drifted apart we had a falling out
2: Mm.
3: and it was
0: never ever resolved to the level I would expect of a romantic partner well that's the
3: thing traditionally with romantic partners there's like a set in stone breakup situation like, like you, you owe have a each conversation other? like there's I'm like breaking a up with like a social contract isn't yeah. there Yeah. There's whereas, a social
0: contract where it's like you break up with a romantic love interest mm-hmm. and you have to clear the air or you owe each other closure or you owe each other a conversation yeah. we don't have that with friends
3: no oftentimes like yeah. I can list a couple of friendships where it's just fizzled and there's been so much unresolved whatever Your it shit. was yeah. that you just have to kind of set free when you weren't even really perhaps ready or you, didn't, you weren't equipped with totally. the skills yeah and it can drive you Mad. right like i still think about them totally yeah. and
2: i also because like again as i said earlier like we're all getting older our our time for hanging out is just getting smaller and smaller yeah. and so you can get in these paranoid things of being like have we just drifted because there's less time in both of our lives or was there a thing I wasn't aware of and is there an atmosphere and it is by simply thinking about the atmosphere creating one yeah Yeah. for sure it's tough man yeah Yeah. you know know what when the Banshees of Nishiran came out and everybody every like Guardian think piece was like why don't men have friends (laughs) I talked to uh, Gavin about this, and he was like, "Listen, I admit that I don't have as close friends in my life as you do, but I don't want them either." (laughs) Well, this is, and I think this friend who had this
0: theory, which I think is the one thing she said it to me before we left for London. When I, I was saying to her, like, "What, what is going on here?" She said to me, she's like, I've got friends who kiss their female friends and they've never they've never questioned mm-hmm. that. That's just been like, it's so amorous that they will make out at a concert or like they uh. do things like that. They hold hands, they kiss each other on the face, whatever. They hug. You don't see that with men as much in their yeah. platonic <laughs> friendship. So there is this kind yeah. of... Blurriness sometimes, I think, with the attachment we have with our female friends, and
2: I think it's insulting as well for people to sort of like solve for X and be like, well, they're fucking, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean. And it's like even if we had fucked, yeah, even if we had, like, that would do not even one percent of the explaining as to my complex feelings about this. <laughs> <laughs> like,
0: grow up- <laughs> I think that's where all, I think that's where so much of the lyric analysis comes from. I mean, Taylor Swift's lyrics can be read in a million different ways. I know a lot of people bring in the lyric, I don't want you like a best friend. I think a lot of people read into that, but that could mean a million different because things, about a million so different lame. situations. Mm. I think as long as the het law, which is heterosexual Taylor or gay law mm. theories are always discussed from a place of this says more about me mm-hmm. than it will ever say yeah. about the celebrities involved... I think that's a good place to start. Mm. Definitely. That was theory two. Ready for my third and final theory? Oh, There's a wow. third and final theory? Yeah. Okay. There's well, a let's third go. and final theory and uh, not to break the fourth wall, but I think this is the most strong one. The most strong one? The strongest This one. is the one. <laughs> the one. Okay. Theory three. Carly either leaked important information about Taylor Swift to Scooter Braun or withheld important information from Taylor mm. about Scooter. Synopsis. Taylor Swift cut Carly Closs out when she learned that Carly was spilling sensitive information about her career and her business to Carly's then close friend and manager, Scooter Braun, or that Carly knew Scooter was buying Taylor's masters and intentionally kept that from Taylor Swift. I remember this one. Mm. This is the one. Got feelings, Caroline?
2: I know a lot about Taylor, obviously, and we've had a we've had a biography of the Kushner's. I don't, <laughs> <laughs> I don't feel like I know enough about Carly. And her soul, and like who is she? Like, where did she come from? What's her deal? <laughs> Maybe this
0: is why we've all projected so much because we actually don't know. Do you want me to give you the facts yeah, about okay. why people believe this? Okay, Scooter Braun was Carly Kloss's manager when uh-huh. she was best friends with Taylor Swift. He was also her manager throughout the whole friendship disintegration mm-hmm. breakdown. Naturally. When Taylor accused Scooter of buying her music in bad faith and of bullying her, people turned to Taylor's then what they thought best friend, Carly, who didn't say anything on the matter. Carly Mm. stayed totally silent. She was then papped, I think in set up pap shots, at lunch with Scooter Braun a week later. Mm. So people saw all this social media activity, saw Carly say nothing and then saw her at lunch with Scooter. This theory runs really, really deep. And it wasn't, like, this relationship between Carly Kloss and Scooter Braun is not just some manager-talent relationship. Scooter has described Carly as like family Mm. before. So I imagine she would have felt incredibly, incredibly in the middle of everything when this all went down. There's also business and money involved here too. Mm. I told you earlier that Carly's husband, Joshua Kushner, comes from a billionaire family. Well, it turns out that the money to buy Taylor Swift's master's as in the money that Scooter Braun acquired to buy her masters, came from a business called the Carlisle Group. The Carlisle Group is in business with the Kushner family business. They have invested over $500 million into a building owned by the Kushner companies in 2008. Mm. So I think Taylor wanted people to make this connection because when she called out Scooter Braun and Scott Borchetta, all these years ago and said, they're bullying me, they bought my Masters. She pointed directly to the Carlisle group and to celebrities who are managed by Scooter Braun. She tweeted this to her millions of followers. Scooter manages several celebrities who I believe really care about other artists and their work. Please ask for their help with this, as in ask these celebrities managed by Scooter Braun for their help. Mm. Get them to call him out. I'm particularly asking for help from the Carlisle group who put up money for the sale of my music to these two men. Oh,
2: shit. This is it, then? Those are hard facts. This is it. Sorry for wasting
0: everyone's time for 40 minutes, but we've officially found the theory. After that tweet, plenty of celebrities did speak up. Selena Gomez, Gigi Hadid, a lot of the celebrities we know Mm. who have been publicly friends with Taylor. Carly kept quiet. Crickets, oof. But there's more. (gasps) Perez Hilton, the celebrity blogger who we hate, (laughs) tweeted at the time (laughs) that... Taylor found out Carly was telling Scooter things about her life and career. That tweet was liked by two of Taylor Swift's closest childhood friends, Ashley Avignon and Claire Winter. Mm. So then, of course, we've got the lyrics. Taylor wrote the song It's Time to Go from Evermore, which had the lyrics, when the words of a sister come back in whispers that prove she was not in fact what she seemed, not a twin from your dreams. She's twin. a crook who was caught. <sighs> oh. That references, so, like, obviously we've spoken about this sister stuff that they mm, spoke about yes. in Vogue. We've spoken about the fact that everyone used to say they look like twins. Yeah. That's the lyric that Taylor Swift gave us a year or two. So, like, how else could all that, that be interpreted? Out. That's sad. I can't, yeah, that's, that sad? <laughs> that's sad. Isn't that sad? sad. Mm. Isn't that sad? Because I actually think this has to be it. I think for mm. her, for this friendship to fall apart... And for it to fall apart in this way, I think it probably was that Carly ended up in the middle of Taylor and Scooter and unwittingly, maybe, I don't know her, as you said, Caroline, unwittingly passed on information or omitted information. Mm. I don't know. But this is the only theory that truly stacks up for me now. Wow.
2: <laughs> <laughs> a lot to process, yeah. hey? But, you know, it, I mean, this is sort of a milk toast thing, but it could also be a, a combination, a Venn diagram, if you will, of many of these things mm. of being like... Taylor being like, every time I fucking open my phone, Carly's pissing me off.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like like Carly's appearing in photos with a Vunker Trump, and I'm copping hate for it, and that's making me feel weird. And then Carly's best friends with the guy, or like being called like family with Scooter Braun, the guy who's just purchased all my music Mm. behind my back. Also, that music has been bought with money that has links to the Kushner family mm. business. Yeah. I don't know how a friendship does survive any of this shit.
2: And it's also, it's interesting if, like, the only reason I know her name is because she was Taylor Swift's best friend. Mm. Is there very strong, ambitious streak in Carly Claus that's maybe fragile, that's mm. like, well, I need to sort of keep everyone happy all the time. I can't Mm. afford to part with Scooter. I can't afford to piss off my husband's family. Taylor, grow up. Like I'm sort of in the middle of all these people and like, just give me a fucking easy time here. And Taylor being like, you've been my best friend for 10 years. If you can't sort of speak up for me and advocate for me now, like don't like straddle the fence like this. Like yes. surely you owe me that at least. And Carly being like, I don't owe you anything.
1: Yes. <laughs> you I know? think that
0: has to, what do you think? That has to be the most accurate summation or the most realistic one in my head. Yeah. And I, yeah. I can kind of see it from Carly's perspective that if she's married into this and her manager is part of this as well. That is tricky. She's in a sticky yeah. spot. It's like you're stuck, yeah. And it's kind of like what you are saying before,
3: Caroline, about when you form friendships at that pivotal age, and like yeah. in your 20s, you feel like you're so in sync. Yeah. You just assume everything is in sync. In this situation, clearly it wasn't, and Taylor would have been frustrated, like, come on, say yeah. something or do something. Yeah. And, and Carly
0: was like, no, this is where we have differences and we don't agree. Yeah. yeah. I then found it interesting, because obviously we know that Carly was at the Year's Tour, right? So we know... I think they're back on (laughs) okay terms. And I think that because I also stalked Carly Kloss. And while Scooter Braun might have been like family once upon a time, or while she might have been that to him, as he wrote in that Instagram comment, she no longer follows him on Instagram. Mm. So she's not managed by him either. So I wouldn't mind betting that this probably was all dating back to the Scooter Braun masters controversy. Carly Kloss is no longer in Scooter Braun's life and vice versa. And therefore, I think we might see a patching up of Carly and Taylor yet again. Because I do think there's something
2: nice about, like, we were best friends. We had this falling out over things that right now don't really seem like they matter anymore. Mm. Well, re-recording... I when you I miss you. Yeah. You know?
0: It ended up being, I think this would be easier because re-recording her masters ended up yeah. being one of the best things Taylor Swift ever did for her career. Yeah. She is the number two artist on Spotify right now. Totally. Because not only do we have new music like Midnight's, which is semi-new music I guess yeah. now, we are reliving every era yeah. of her life and it's getting reinvigorated Yeah. with new oxygen. Mm. Totally. And we're all obsessed. When has anyone... She's doing the Eras tour because we're all obsessed with these re-recordings. She's yeah. made it such a moment in pop culture. She's the most successful now that she's ever been. Mm. So I'm wondering if she's looking at this going, I didn't like the way Kylie behaved. I fucking hated the way Scooter Braun yeah. behaved and Kushner Company and all those kind of financial ties. I hate the way it happened. But it ended up being the best thing that ever happened to me mm. and look at me now. Mm. Yeah.
2: And when you get to those moments where you're like looking back on old dramas and realising everything that came from it was wonderful, you're like, you know what, I'm going to send her a text. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah. Yeah.
0: And so there we go. That's Taylor and Carly and I think they're back on good ground and again I'm still emotionally attached and <laughs> that's slightly problematic but I will be forever. Thank <laughs> you for taking us through that as well. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> Happy
3: ending. Happy ending. Yeah. I'd also like to full circle moment amend my 6 out of 10 fandom for Taylor oh, yes. because I am going to the Eras tour and yes. people will come for me for saying 6 out of 10. Oh because still... you got a ticket. Yeah, right. Everyone will so say I'm that a 6 yeah. out of 10 doesn't deserve so it so I'm, I'm, putting I'm it up saying single. 8 now. I'm saying 8 now everybody wow. can you hear that? 8 and eight. I'm going to the concert baby. <laughs> <laughs> you
2: I'm going to the concert too, Carolyn. Yeah, yeah. Who are you going with? I'm going um in Stockholm. Oh, oh
0: that's no. so fun. That's um, so European of you. I we couldn't know. do that in Australia.
2: It's your own home city or yeah. it's nothing, baby. Exactly. Yeah, no, you're, me and my friend Jen County, who's, who's like my Taylor Swift yes. co-host, um, we're going into railing next year and we, ah. and we happen to be around that area when she's playing. So we're going go to go in Stockholm.
0: Oh my God, so excited for you. Fun. I we're know. all going in um Feb when she comes to Melbourne and we are... So excited. It's going to be so hot. It's going to be boiling. Melbourne will probably be 40 degrees Celsius and I will be wearing the tiniest Taylor Swift outfit as a response. We do it for Taylor, who we love 8 out of (laughs) ten. Eight out of 10, Taylor. Now, Caroline, (laughs) Taylor Swift is not the only one touring. That's Someone else very is true. <laughs>
2: Who else is touring in Melbourne and Australia? Soon? Oh my God, I'm so, so, I'm so, so excited about this. In October, I'm uh, coming to Australia for the first time ever. And, uh, oh my God, <laughs> your first time in
0: Australia. I know.
2: It's so exciting. You're going to
0: love, I think you'll love Melbourne. Yes.
2: Yeah. I've been practicing saying it. As if it has no vowels.
0: We had someone in the Spotify studio yesterday actually say, you guys are from Melbourne. And we're like, yeah. we're from Melbourne. Mel-
2: Melbourne. <laughs> yeah. This is all on my um, Instagram. There'll be a link in bio. Mm. On the 11th of October, I'll be in Brisbane at the State Library of Queensland. On the 12th of October, I'll be in Melbourne. <laughs> Nailed it. Smashed Thank it. Thank you. Of the park. On the uh and the at the Wheeler Center on Saturday the 14th I'll be the Capital in Melbourne and that'll be a live sentimental garbage. Beautiful. Oh, yeah, these are sorry, these other ones are like more broad interviews, but you know. Yep.
0: We'll put a link in the show notes to how people can get tickets We will 100% put a link in the show notes. We'll also put links on our book club page where you guys can swipe up and buy tickets. Caroline, thank you for your time. You are a delight. Thank you, Annabelle, as well, for being here for the (laughs) rundown. Thank you, too.
2: And thank you, Taylor Swift. Thank you, Taylor
0: Swift. (laughs) We love you, (laughs) Mum.
1: Thank you so much for listening to this sentimental garbage crossover with the awesome Caroline O'Donoghue. As you already know, we are huge fans of Caroline's book, The Rachel Incident. Go and buy it now at any good bookstore. We'd love to send a huge thank you to the team at Spotify UK. They let us use their studios to record this episode and for that, we are so grateful. If you'd like to support us, well, of course, you know what to do. Hit follow on Spotify, Apple or wherever you get your podcasts or find us on Instagram at Shameless Podcast or TikTok at shameless underscore podcast. This is the third instalment of our Shameless Takes London in Conversation series. Keep your eyes peeled for next Tuesday's fourth and final episode where Mish sits down with an Oxford graduate who took YouTube by storm.